Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. I am Talissa, for those of you who do not know me, and I am a feeler. I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but I am a feeler through and through. Um, I feel a lot of things at once, and I feel things very deeply. Um, Actually, one of my favorite quotes is from Harry Potter, um, and it's Ron's response to Hermione giving this like long list of feelings and processing that Cho has gone through. And like when she finishes this description, he's like, one person can't feel all that at once, they'd explode. <laughs> and I like laughed just so hard when I heard that quote, because I was like, that's me. I can really relate. Um, feeling that many things is hard. Um, it's hard to handle and hard to contain. Um, so that, that quote just like literally put it into words. Um, how I felt a lot of my life. <laughs> um, actually, as a child, I was often overwhelmed with emotions, and I didn't know how to communicate them to people. I would usually just end up crying, and when I would cry and express my emotions, I often felt I was appearing weak and I hated myself for not being able to control my tears. It was like the more I tried to control it, the more it would just like seep out of me. So then it was like even worse because I was like trying to contain it. It's just like flowing out of me. Um, So that was a lot of my childhood and just like not being able to verbalize those things. And when I am emotional and when I express tears, um, there's no hiding it. My face turns red. It's like blatantly obvious. which only like makes it worse because then I can't hide it and it just makes me feel more shame and embarrassment. And I just remember thinking things like, why am I like this? Like, why can't I control this? Why do I have to be so exposed to my emotions? So have you ever felt like that? So frustrated with yourself and your lack of control. Well, one thing we don't often study is Jesus's expression of emotion how he processed grief, and what it looked like for him to experience deep and difficult feelings. So often growing up, I was told it was unwise to trust my emotions, which I think is the worst thing you can say to a feeling-oriented person. That's like telling me I can't acknowledge who I am and making me afraid of the thing that is beautiful within me. Um, So believing that that notion doesn't allow me to lean into the person I was created to be. So it just puts fear and just makes me feel weak. Um, So growing up, I was told to use my mind and not trust my heart, but that obviously never worked for me. And that would be denying the core of who I am and who God created me to be. So when I learned that Jesus was a feeler too, I felt understood. It's comforting to know that he felt things deeply. I then realized that strength isn't how well I can control my feelings, but it's about the ability to embrace them and process them. In preparing for this sermon, I wanted to take time to look at when Jesus expressed emotion. The first passage I thought of immediately was the story of Lazarus. So before I dive into the verses, which I'll put up on the screen, yep, 
Um, this is right after Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. So let's just look at this. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. So in this passage, Jesus feels more human and relatable. He was deeply moved and troubled. He experiences deep grief for his friends and for the people around him who were also processing pain. In this passage, Jesus shows us how to pause in our feelings. This is right and natural. I love this quote by Albert Barnes. Um, it's commenting on the verse 35 where it says, Jesus wept. So he says, it has been remarked that this is the shortest verse in the Bible, but it is exceedingly important and tender. It shows the Lord Jesus as a friend, a tender friend, and evinces his character as a man. I love that image, um, that he is tender, a tender friend. Um, this story reminds me that I have permission to feel. I can be deeply moved by things without fear, shame, or embarrassment. Last week, Aaron talked about this interchangeable relationship between knowing ourself and knowing God. So a part of knowing myself has been acknowledging that I feel things deeply. I need to accept that. I feel known and understood by the fact that God is the one that designed me to feel deeply, and he feels deeply too. So the first thing that kind of helped me in this journey to knowing myself and identifying that I'm a feeling-oriented person was the Enneagram, which we talk a lot about here. And I don't know what your story is with the Enneagram, but that's kind of what I'm going to introduce today. So when I was first introduced to the Enneagram, it gave me an understanding for like who I am, and it gave me like this language to communicate it. It was like things I'd always known about myself, but it just kind of like unpackaged it and finally like put it into something I could understand. So now I want to introduce all of you to the Enneagram. Um, so first, I want to start out by showing the symbol of the Enneagram. So as you can see, um, well, it's actually, what's really neat about it is it's not this new personality test. It's actually this ancient spiritual practice. And the symbol itself um, dates back 2,500 years or more. So as you can see, it's numbers one through nine. And then each of those numbers represents a personality type. And so I love how there's this image of them all being connected in some way. Um, so I just think that that's really neat. Um, and then it's kind of like a confusing thing to look at. So I'm going to kind of break down each symbol within the Enneagram. So um, the first one is the circle. And a man named Gurdjieff um, explained that the Enneagram has these three parts that symbolize three divine laws that govern all of existence. So the circle um, is actually symbolizing unity, wholeness, and oneness, and the idea that God is one. And then the triangle is the trinity, and then this third piece is a hexad, and it's symbolizing the law of sevens. And that states that um, nothing is static, everything is moving and becoming something else. And so then it's a combination of those three shapes together to create the Enneagram. 
So it's been helpful for me. I don't know if I've ever stepped back and just kind of like processed the shape of the Enneagram or the symbol, I guess I should say. Um, so it's been helpful for me to acknowledge that um, there's symbolism that God is all nine types and that he is the picture of perfect unity and wholeness of all of them together. So we were created in his image, and these are the beautiful traits that unify us. I'm also encouraged by the fact that nothing is static. So that third piece, stating that um, nothing is static, and I appreciate the Enneagram doesn't box you into like one type. It acknowledges that we have all nine types, and then some are stronger depending on like what season of life we're in, if it's a season of stress or of health. So the Enneagram has taught me what types I become in a healthy space or a stress space. It's helped me identify the cues and changes in behavior that happen in different seasons of life. I think it's beautiful and challenging to be made aware of your strengths and weaknesses. It's a humbling process to acknowledge your faults and to accept the difficult things about your personality. Once we identify those things, we can build awareness and understanding of how to seek out actions towards health. So Jesus embodied all nine types perfectly, and we find fullness when we move toward all types, all nine types. So then here's a visual, the next one, yeah. So Aaron just introduced this to me the other day, and um, I love how it gives words to how Jesus looked in each personality type. So we can just like take a moment and kind of let some of those hit us. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a powerful visual of how he embodies all of these beautiful traits. So I don't know how much you know about the Enneagram, but maybe you're, you know which one you are and you're going right to that. But I just think it's beautiful like to see that. I guess I've known about the Enneagram for some time, but I haven't seen this, like the Christ Enneagram. So I thought that was really neat. Um, and then with the Enneagram, I'll just leave that up for a little bit. You can keep looking at that and just seeing what sticks out to you. But I see the Enneagram as an individual and a communal process. So it's individual in that you're learning about yourself and the way you process the world. And one of my favorite books I always reference all the time for the Enneagram is called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. And here's just one quote I want to share from it. So it says, I'll get out of the way. Um, real self-knowledge is an invaluable guardian against self-deception. The Enneagram takes us places and makes real progress possible because it starts working from where we actually are. As much as it reveals the spiritual heights that we are capable of attaining, it also sheds light clearly and non-judgmentally on the aspects of our lives that are dark and unfree. So, whew. I just feel like that quote, if you let it sit in, I just feel like the road to discovery is a messy process. Um, Aaron mentioned last week, it's a difficult process. So like in starting this sermon series, we recognize that it's hard, it's continual. And to be honest, I'm currently in a season that is challenging. I'm in a season where it says light clearly sheds like the dark and unfree places. I'm just in a season where things like that are blatantly obvious to me. So in this especially hard season, the Enneagram helps remind me who I am when I feel like I'm losing myself. The Enneagram helps me learn practical steps 
specific for my personality type to pursue health. So one thing I really liked, so this is the same book I mentioned earlier, it's The Wisdom of the Enneagram. And this next quote says um, three things that are required for transformational work. So first is presence, so that awareness, mindfulness. Second, the practice of self-observation, so working to gain that self-knowledge I kind of talked about learning the hardest things about my personality and then understanding one's experience mean an accurate interpretation provided by a larger context such as a community, a church, or spiritual system are the three basic elements needed for transformational work. So I feel like it's just encouraging to know um, that just, oops, sorry, I skipped ahead. Um, I just remember Aaron mentioning last week that discovering who you are should be done in a community of others. So if we're really going to live by our tagline, which is, you'll never walk alone, I think that first, start, that first step is beginning to be vulnerable with one another. So in this community, we can work toward acknowledging the evidences of grace that we observe in one another's um, personalities, and then moving towards embodying all nine numbers. So it's less about distinguishing your differences and your personality type, and it's more about growing from one another. And it's becoming more of a holistic version of ourselves. So the Enneagram is a tool that can be used to strengthen and then in turn strengthen one another. So this next quote um, is from that same book. All my quotes are from that book. It's really helpful. <laughs> So the Enneagram invites us to look deeply into the mystery of our true identity. It is meant to initiate a process of inquiry that can lead us to more profound truth about ourselves and our place in the world. If, however, we use the Enneagram simply to arrive at a better self-image, we will stop the process of uncovering or actually recovering our true nature. While knowing our type gives us important information, that information is merely an embarkation point for a much greater journey. In short, knowing our type is not the final destination. And I thought that was a really helpful quote that I stumbled upon this week of just knowing that just because I know I'm a two doesn't mean that's the end of it. Um, and that it's really a tool we can use to continue to grow. And for me, it's helped me unite to God more, others, and the world around me. So I think it's really helpful in that way. So like I said earlier, when I was first introduced to the Enneagram, it gave me an understanding for who I am and how to communicate it. Now I wanna share a little bit of my journey with the Enneagram and some of the things I've learned along the way. So here's some reasons why I love the Enneagram. The first thing, like I've said several times, it just gave me an a language to describe myself. Um, it's also helped me understand those cues, those uh, changes in behavior um, that can show me my strengths, my weaknesses, so that I can grow, um, and those pra practical steps um, toward growth and seeking out health. So I kind of have that understanding now. It also helps me understand the people around me better too. So, with the Enneagram, like I said, we really are all nine types, but there's one that we're dominant in. Um, so one thing the Enneagram goes over in detail is each type's basic fear and desire, and that really motivates our behavior. 
So if someone's kind of wrestling with the Enneagram and which number they are, I usually direct people towards that basic fear and desire and have them look at which one hits them the most. Um, I remember when I was first introduced to the Enneagram and I read The Desire of the Two, I was like, that is me, and I knew it immediately. Um, it was a hard truth to swallow, but I found it's helped me process so many things in my life. So the basic fear of the two um, is being unloved and unwanted for themselves alone. And it's helpful for me to acknowledge that this core fear affects my relationship to God and those around me. So often, I honestly struggle to believe that God loves me and that he chooses me. So this notion obviously plays into every relationship I have, and I have been in seasons where I choose to believe the truth, and then I go through seasons like the one I'm in now, and I just struggle to believe that this could be true. This thought of being unloved comes up frequently for me. Um, but now that I'm aware of it, I can look at a situation and I can de deconstruct what happened and I can always identify that this is truly at the core. So when I'm in tune to this fact, so this core fear and desire, I, ha I can have like a more specific plan of attack and just knowing that about me. So there was this influential season of my life where becoming aware to this fear I memorized a lot of scripture just about God's love. So I would let the words just wash over me. And in times of doubt, I would come back to them and repeat them back to myself because I just couldn't believe that I was loved and I needed words to tell me that I was loved. And I'm not in that place now where I'm choosing to do that and in creating this sermon. It was really helpful for me to recognize what a powerful time that was in my life and that I wanna pick up that spiritual practice again. Um, but in this season of life, I've had to be very gracious towards myself and accepting that God loves me just as I am. So not only has the Enneagram helped me understand the way I tick, um, but it's helped me understand the people around me. And it's been influential in my marriage. If you don't know, Trevor and I are as opposite as two people can be. Um, early on in our dating relationship, I realized how different we were and we process the world so differently. I started to wonder, are we like too different? And the Enneagram um, goes through like relationship types and gives this description. And so we were like, let's read our description of like two and then he's a five. And after reading it, I was really encouraged um, because we're like the marriage of the head and the heart. So he's the head, I'm the heart. And um, we were then able to acknowledge that what we thought were our differences are actually our strengths. And so I've seen how time and time again, he is patient and listens while I'm processing some big emotions. And in turn, I ask him feeling-oriented questions and encourage him to connect his thoughts with feelings. So thanks to the Enneagram, we have a better understanding of how each other processes and to give more grace towards one another now that we have that understanding. So type two is also known as the helper. Um, and as I learned more about my personality type, I was able to recognize that God created me as an emotional being. I process think through, things through feelings. Um, one healing discovery with the Enneagram was recognizing that my feelings and the raw expression of them is actually a strength. It took me a, 
took me a while to get there, but I feel like I've been in seasons where I can acknowledge like that is a strength of mine. It is a gift he has given me and it enables me to be sensitive with others. This sensitivity drives me to hurt when others hurt and celebrate in times of joy with others. Once I learned to embrace my gift, I became much more gracious with those tears I mentioned earlier, and I began to view them as a strength. So it takes a lot of strength to be raw and vulnerable, to sit in difficulty and work through unpleasant feelings in the moment. I do that a lot, like right away. Um, it seems easier to just brush them aside or bury them, and I was just not created to be that person. I've tried, believe me. Um, and I can never seem to push them aside. I can't push away what I feel. Um, and I find it is unhealthy to deny what we feel. The process of healing can begin when we acknowledge what we feel, bring it out into the open to process mentally and spiritually. So in the past, um, I've been better about choosing healthy practices to process my emotion. Just in preparing this sermon, I was reviewing an old journal entry of how I processed emotions in the past. And this was actually like a helpful reminder. I was like, I need to be doing this in my current season of life. Um, so I figured I would just read that entry. Um, if you too find yourself in kind of a difficult season that requires you to process some emotions. So I've learned the importance of first identifying what do I feel? There's so much power in being able to name what it is that we feel. It's so freeing, it makes it less overwhelming and when we can put a name to an emotion. I think that's so important. And it, takes, it could take 10 seconds or it could take a year to process this feeling that you've been going through. Um, but putting in the work to identify what it is that you feel is worth it. So first I start by naming that feeling. And then I try to identify where I feel it in my body. So part one, name it. Part two, where do I feel it? And then part three is placing a hand um, where I'm feeling it in my body. So when I'm anxious, I have to touch my stomach or place my hand where there's tightness in my chest. And if I'm mad, um, I place a hand on my beating heart. And that even helps my brain to be thoughtful of my breath and to like have that awareness to slow my breathing. It's empowering to be aware of your feelings and how they manifest in our bodies. Building that awareness enables us to then have strategies when we read those signals in our body. Um, and I've had beautiful moments in prayer where I tell God what I'm feeling, where I'm feeling it, and like in that process of like acknowledging physically where I feel it and bringing him into that um, and asking for his guidance to process it, I've really found peace through that process. So I think it's encouraging to recognize that Jesus feels things deeply and that he is present in our feelings. I love the visual that Jesus is sitting with us in our difficult feelings. So as I mentioned, I'm in a difficult season myself. And if I'm really honest, I'm in a season where I'm angry with God. I'm angry at myself. Um, and I love that he isn't overwhelmed by my anger, that I can bring it to him. And he is patient and present. And he just says, I'm here. And I've had to really tell myself that in this season, um, that he just meets me in that. 
and I don't have to perform or be something. I can just tell them where I'm at. So I have a song that always puts that kind of visual picture of him sitting with me, being with me, um, into words. And no matter how much time goes by, I think this song probably came out in 2000-something. But it always brings me back to this idea of God, God's love just wrapped around me. I'm wondering if you have a song like that that just like always brings you to a point of tears. I don't know if anyone's with me in that, but um, I actually heard this song the other day. I was actually running on the treadmill. I almost just had an outburst while I was running on a treadmill when I heard this song because God just met me so personally in it. After a very trying week, it was as if he whispered like, I see you and I feel with you. Um, so I had to refrain from having like this full-on breakdown with these two people like running next to me on treadmills. So it's just kind of like, oh, like contain it. Um, so that was interesting. But I just thought I'd share some of the words to this song. Like I love every part of the song, but I'll just share this short part um, of how he meets me. And it just gives me this understanding of what it looks like for him to be with me um, in my emotions and those feelings. So, I hear you say, my, lo my love is over, it's underneath, it's, in it's inside, oh gosh. It's inside, it's in between. The times you doubt me when you can't feel. The times that you question, is this for real? The times you're broken, the times that you mend. The times you hate me, and the times that you bend. Well, my love is over, it's underneath, it's inside, it's in between. These times you're healing, and when your heart breaks, the times that you're fe you feel like you're falling from grace, the times you're hurting, the times that you heal, the times you go hungry and are tempted to steal, the times of confusion and chaos and pain. I'm there in your sorrow under the weight of your shame. I'm there through your heartache. I'm there in the storm. My love, I will keep you by my power alone. I don't care where you fall, where you have been, I'll never forsake you. My love never ends. It never ends. Like I said, that song just always meets me, and I feel like it covers every season of life. Um, this song just really reminds me I can be raw with God. I can bring him the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I can ask him hard questions and wrestle with doubt. And that doesn't change his demeanor towards me. His love is unrelenting, unchanging, and unwavering. His love surrounds us and blankets us in every season we go through. Um, so next, I kind of, to end our time together, want to walk us through a practice. Um, the one I mentioned earlier of how to process emotions. So Trevor's going to play some music for us, and we're just going to start by kind of answering those three questions. And again, this is just an individual process that we're going to just take time to kind of sit in. Um, so the first question we're going to ask in this moment, what we feel, where do we feel it, and God, what do you say about it? Um, so this will just be a way to kind of process what we just heard. So let's just start by finding a comfortable seat, um, whatever that looks like for you, if it means sitting, standing, walking around, whatever you need to do to get comfortable. And then I just want to invite us to close our eyes, 
That way we can just eliminate all distractions and just sit present in this moment. Okay, I need this too, so I just want you to take in a deep breath with me and let it out. So breathe in. Now I want us to just take in the deepest breath we've taken all day. So really fill up your lungs and let it out. Just focus on your breath for a moment, just embracing this moment. What feelings are you wrestling through today? Do you feel misunderstood? Maybe hurt? Maybe you feel comfort and peace. Or maybe like me, you feel lost doubtful or angry. So now that you've recognized that feeling, just take a moment to scan your body where do you feel it? You feel tightness in your chest, a weight in your shoulders. If you're comfortable, I want you to touch that physical place and just let your body be aware. Let that area soften and be at peace. And then for the next few, just a little bit of time here, um, let's just sit and ask God, what do you want me to know in this moment about what I feel?
Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.